I got lucky that I got to do this one. Uh, preparing for it, studying it, researching it has been a joy to my soul, and I've been praying and hoping that it's, it'll be a joy and a comfort to your soul as well. Uh, in today's text, we're going to see one of the clearest examples of the shepherd imagery that's used throughout the Bible. And I think the shepherd imagery is so helpful for us to rightly see ourselves as sheep and rightly see the Lord as the shepherd. I had a friend that used to say, the reason we are depicted as sheep within scripture is because sheep are really dumb animals. And I, I think there's some truth to that. And I don't think it's, it's the intellect. I think it's more that sheep have to depend on a shepherd in order to survive. If a sheep comes up against a predator, they are completely defenseless. They are helpless. They have no way to defend themselves. They, they don't even have a way to run away quickly or flee. One author said that an independent sheep is a dead sheep. The same author noted a, a recent story of a flock in Turkey where the shepherds had briefly left their flock unattended to go get something to eat. And while they were gone, one of the sheep happened to stray off and fall off of a cliff. And what do you think happened next? Well, the sheep had no one to lead them or guide them or protect them. So they had no one to follow them except for the sheep in front of them. So they followed. The news report estimated that 1,500 sheep walked off of the cliff. And I don't think that we are that different. Our hearts are so desperately fickle, searching for anything and anyone to shepherd us. We desire comfort and rest, but without a shepherd comforting us, leading us, and protecting us, left to ourselves, we'll follow the path leading us off of a cliff. But I've got great news for us this morning from Psalm 23. I'm convinced that we have a good shepherd who is present with us and gives us exactly what our wandering hearts need. Pray with me. Holy Spirit, would you illuminate your word for us this morning? Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and faith to believe the truths found in Psalm 23. Help me preach this psalm of confidence, a psalm of trust, a psalm of assurance. Remind us that we are merely sheep, but we have a faithful shepherd with us. Amen. Now let's turn to the text and unpack what Charles Spurgeon calls the pearl of the Psalms. It begins with, the Lord is my shepherd. Now just up front, a common mistake is to read this as just God is my shepherd, like it's a title for God. But when the, the Lord is in all caps, uh, it is referring to the personal and holy name of God, the name that was revealed to Moses. So David is using God's personal name of Yahweh. To just read it as just a title misses the powerful intimacy of what David is saying. He is saying that, uh, that Yahweh is his shepherd. And what Yahweh means is, I will be present is what I will be. I will be present is what I will be. Yahweh means that if God of Israel is anything, he's present. Yahweh is the covenant-keeping always present, and forever faithful God. To misread this as just a title misses the entire point of the rest of the psalm where we're going to see just how present God is for his people. One author commented saying, this is like addressing a spouse as just wife, the title of wife. While it is true that Maddie is my wife, 
I don't just call her by the title of wife. Imagine if I just walked around saying, uh, Charlie's mom is wife. I love wife. Wife is my best friend. I take the wife to be my lawfully wedded wife. If I did that, you would either think that I was insane or that I definitely did not have a wife. So David here is not just using a title, but he is invoking the personal and holy name of God, saying, Yahweh, the forever faithful, covenant-keeping and present God is my shepherd. And notice he doesn't just say, the Lord is a shepherd, or that the Lord is our shepherd. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. You see, the Lord is not a distant or ambiguous shepherd. Yahweh, the God who is present, is what he will be, is your shepherd. And that is good news. And David is writing this psalm with memories of his time as a shepherd. And let's be honest, when we use the word shepherd, we probably have no idea what we're talking about. I, I'd venture to say that none of us have actually shepherded sheep before, and maybe off the by the off chance that you have, I guarantee you, you haven't to the extent that David has. Our understanding is probably based on what we've read in, in children's books, uh, toddler Bibles. We, we think of a, a guy in a white robe with a wooden staff and a bunch of sheep and a green pasture. However, in today's psalm, we're going to see that a shepherd is three things. The shepherd is a faithful provider, leader, and protector of his sheep. The sheep knew, or the shepherd knew his sheep so much that he would name every single one of his sheep. He knew how they smelled. He knew their imperfections. He knew their tendencies. He was with them so much that the sheep knew the shepherd's voice. He could direct an entire flock just by the sound of his voice because of his intimate connection with them, because of his faithful presence and leadership day after day. And not only this, but when a flock encountered uh, a lion or a bear, the shepherd was the one to fight off the wild animal. To shepherd in ancient Israel was not for the weak, but for the fiercest, bravest, and most faithful. So David knows what he's doing by calling Yahweh his shepherd. He's humbling himself. David is the king of Israel. He's humbling himself and saying, Though I am king, I am just a sheep. Yahweh is our true provider, leader, and protector. And we see the Lord provide when David says, I have what I need. Your translation may say, I shall not want. But I don't think David is saying that we get everything we want. We're going to have desires, we're going to have wants. But what David is saying is that we have everything we need because the shepherd always provides. So first, we see that Jesus provides his sheep every need. When we are weak and need strength, his grace is sufficient. When we worry and doubt because we need provision of money or of time or of people or of jobs, he provides for the ravens and the lilies. Will he not also provide for you? Charles Spurgeon said of this verse, I have all things in abound, not because I have a good store of money in the bank, not because I have skill and wit with which to win my bread, but because the Lord is my shepherd. The wicked always wants, the sinner's heart is far from satisfaction. And he goes on to say that the sheep of the Lord dwell in the palace of contentment. Without a shepherd, sheep lack everything. 
but with a shepherd, sheep have no lack. For the Lord is provider of all needs, and here we see the Lord provides rest. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. We just got back from uh, vacation in Florida on the beach, so it's easy for me to read this and think, yeah, the Lord does provide still waters. Uh, even though traveling with a three-year-old and two one-year-olds is the furthest thing from still waters, uh, especially on an airplane, uh, my goodness. But the application of this verse is not to think he's good to me because he provides wonderful vacations to beautiful places, or to think he's good to me because he provides a full bank account, or to think he's good to me because he provides a healthy family or a life-giving job. What happens when life does not provide you with beautiful vacations? What happens when life does not provide you with heaps of money or with healthy families or enjoyable jobs? Is the Lord failing to let you lie down in green pastures? Is he not good because he doesn't lead you beside quiet waters? You see, it is easy to doubt the shepherd's goodness when we just view this verse as fulfilling our own comfort. The shepherd's job is not to just make the sheep comfortable or to keep them only in green pastures. The shepherd's job is to provide, lead, and protect within all kinds of pastures. Grace family, this is the heart of our good shepherd, Jesus Christ. The land that Israel possesses that David's writing about here is not sprawling with green pastures and oases of water. Shepherds had to take their flocks on long migrations through various desert lands to find the next source of water and land to rest on. The sheep will get to the green pasture and the quiet waters, but it is a difficult journey to get there. So this verse is not promising comfort at all times. Comfort is not the goal. Comfort is not our God. The Lord is promising that he will provide rest and refreshment and nourishment because he is with us. He is the source of comfort. The shepherd is the one who brings the rest along the journey, no matter the path that you are on. The shepherd is the one who renews my life and restores my soul. It does not say, the green pasture and still water renews my life. It is not what the shepherd gives us that renews us. It is the shepherd himself that renews us. So maybe you're in a season just a moment of fatigue or weakness. Maybe you're in a season lacking joy or passion or perseverance. In those moments and seasons, where do you find renewal? Where are you seeking nourishment? Is it in the next vacation? Is it in a better job? Is it in more money? Is it in the next stage of life? Is it in the next grade or the next school? I promise that whenever you get to that greener pasture, that you so desperately want, you're going to want greener pastures. This is just how our sinful hearts work. We will not be satisfied with what we think we want. When you get that better job with more money or you make it to the next stage of life that you want so badly or get to that vacation you've been anticipating all year long, you're going to want more. Your heart will not be renewed by the green pastures and still waters. Sure, you're going to feel rest and refreshment for a time, but it is only in the Good Shepherd that we have true and lasting renewal and contentment. It is in the Shepherd, not the destination.
And do you know why? Because it is the shepherd that is with them all the way along the journey. He is with you on every path, with you in every circumstance. The God who is present is what he will be, is with you, always providing for you, always leading you, and always protecting you. So to the one that's here thinking, well, I I don't really feel like he's providing for me. I don't really feel like he's protecting me or leading me. I don't really feel uh, his presence. I don't really feel like uh, I've had rest in a long time. Maybe you're struggling to feel like you're on the wrong path. Or maybe you feel like you, you need to switch paths to feel any bit of renewal. Personally, this past year has been one of feeling like that. Feeling like you're on a path you doubt, thirsty for refreshment, hungry for nourishment, tired, longing for, begging for, pleading for rest and sleep. But each time that Maddie and I felt like we couldn't go on anymore, each time we felt as though we needed a new path or a new source of renewal, we were led to a green pasture and still water. And Jesus renewed our soul. It may take some time. The journey might be longer than you want, but I promise you, the shepherd will renew your soul. Vacations and money and time will renew you only for a moment. But water where you will never thirst again comes in the form of a person, and that is Jesus Christ, our good shepherd. And the best part is, is that you are never on the wrong path. He leads me along the right paths. Some translations say paths of righteousness, and both are right. Jesus does lead us along paths of righteousness, but he also literally leads us on the right path. He knows the best way along the journey. So the path you're on might be longer and more difficult than you want, but take comfort knowing that Jesus leads his sheep on every path. And he leads us on the right path for his namesake. In ancient Israel, a shepherd's reputation depended on his flock. If he led his flock down the wrong path and his sheep got lost or they starved to death or they got mauled by an animal, the shepherd's name was then tarnished. His livelihood depended on his ability to lead well. That's why David says, the Lord leads us for his namesake. He stakes his reputation on it. He's essentially saying, If I, Yahweh, God, if I do not faithfully and successfully lead my sheep on the right path to green pastures and still waters, then my name means nothing. Yahweh is not to be worshipped if he fails as a shepherd. This is an assurance that the Lord will not fail us. Trust him because he's staking his entire reputation on it. He will not lead you down the wrong path. You might feel like you're on the wrong path, but David assures us that even if we go through the darkest of valleys, even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he will not fail us. If you read verse 3 and 4 together, it reads this. He leads me on the right paths even when I go through the the darkest valley. Do you see what that means? It means the dark valley is a right path. One commentator said, the dark valley is as much a right path as is the green pasture. Different Bible translations use different phrases here because we struggle to find the best English translation for what David is trying to describe, how intense this darkness actually is. The Hebrew phrase used can literally be translated as darkness of death or deathly darkness. 
But at the end of the day, it just means the places of greatest danger where life itself is threatened. By using this term, David is recalling a number of valleys that he encountered himself as a shepherd. These valleys were ravines cut into the land of Israel. They were steep to climb in and climb out of, especially for sheep. They were treacherous and dark and filled with caves that housed anything from robbers to wild beasts. The valley is a sheep's worst nightmare. And David remembers walking his sheep through these dark ravines, and he's saying it is the Lord that leads us through the worst of them. But even though we walk through these places of intense danger and evil, David says he fears no evil. He fears no danger. And why? Take a look at the text. I fear no danger, for you are with me. Notice a a very subtle but very important shift here. David changes from talking about the Lord to talking directly to the Lord. David refers to the shepherd as he when he's in the green pasture. But when he's in the dark valley, he refers to the shepherd as you. The valley is where the sheep need their shepherd closest to them. When green pastures turn to dark valleys, we cling to the shepherd. Instead of he leads me, it is now you are with me. When Charlie's running around in our backyard, he's safe to play. He has no fear because he's in the fence. I'm on the porch watching him. It's like, oh, there's dad over there. But when he wakes up screaming at night because he has a nightmare, he doesn't think, oh, dad's over there in his room. He screams as desperately as he can until I run into his room and hold him and he clings to me and it presses his head against my chest. And it is then that his fears are relieved and he thinks, you are with me. It's not there's dad, it's you are with me that his fears are relieved. The valley draws us to the shepherd just as it did with David. For this reason, we should be grateful for the valley if it draws us closer to the Lord. You are with me is a major theme throughout the Bible. Emmanuel means God with us. A repeated command throughout scripture is fear not for I am with you. God dwelt with his people in the tabernacle, dwelt with his people in the temple. And Jesus did not come through the prophet's words, but literally became a man to be with us. And in Matthew 28, right before Jesus departs his disciples, he promises to be with us to the end of the age. And God continues to be with us through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. So we may doubt his presence. We may doubt his power to protect us, but doubt is not reality. The reality is that Jesus is the present protector, the present defender, the present provider. Charles Spurgeon again helps point out an important truth of this verse. He notes that only a shadow of death remains. If you see a shadow somewhere, then there must be light somewhere to cast that shadow. Spurgeon writes, Death stands by the side of the highway in which we have to travel. And the light of heaven shining upon him throws a shadow across our path. Let us then rejoice that there is a light beyond. Nobody is afraid of a shadow, for a shadow cannot stop a man's pathway even for a moment. The shadow of a dog cannot bite. The shadow of a sword cannot kill, and the shadow of death cannot destroy us. David fears the Lord more than the valley. If the Lord is with him, then there is no one else to fear. There is nothing that exists 
that is more fearful than the Lord himself. So Jesus protects us from every danger. First, we see that Jesus provides his sheep every need. Second, we see Jesus leads his sheep on every path. And here we see Jesus protects his sheep from every danger. The reality is that Jesus does not hide us from the darkness or the valley. He doesn't always lead us around the valley, but he leads us through the valley. But he is with us, and his rod and his staff, they comfort us. The staff provides guidance while the rod provides protection. The shepherd doesn't need a sword and a shield to protect his sheep. He just needs a rod and a staff. And David knows this really well. As you might recall, when David fought Goliath, uh, Saul, he did not put on Saul's armor. King Saul told young David, the shepherd boy, you cannot fight Goliath because you're just a young boy, but Goliath is a man of war. But how did David respond to the king? We see in 1 Samuel 17, he said that while he shepherded his sheep and a lion or a bear came and took one of his sheep, he would pursue the lion or the bear and attack it. And if the, the lion or bear fought back, he would kill it. This is a, a young shepherd boy killing a lion and a bear. But David is not boasting on his ability to, his ability to kill a bear. He tells Saul, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. David, a shepherd boy who killed lions and bears and Goliaths, is saying it is the Lord who protects him. The Lord is the protector of his sheep. So we see that Jesus is our shepherd, but now in verse 5, David pivots, and we see Jesus as our host and our friend. He says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. The Lord is now preparing a banquet feast for his guest. The set table, the festive oil, the full cup all signify a celebratory and victorious feast over the enemy is about to begin. In ancient Israel, to be invited to sit at one's table was a place of honor because the custom was the host assumed responsibility over the guests to keep them from harm. So David is saying that God is declaring to the enemy his ownership and responsibility over his people. He anoints us with oil, the highest form of hospitality, signifying our friendship and acceptance into his home. He's declaring to the enemy, uh, in the presence of the enemy, that Craig is mine, Matt is mine, Sam is mine. You no longer have any hold on him. I have led him, I have fed him, I have protected him, I have provided for him, I have sacrificed myself for him to bring him into my home safe forever. And there's an interesting parallel here with the, the oil in the cup to Matthew 26, right before Jesus is betrayed and arrested. Jesus is in the house of a leper and a woman anoints his head with expensive perfume or with oil. And later that night, Jesus is praying in, in the garden of Gethsemane. He prays this, if this cup cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. The cup is a, it's a symbol of one's portion or lot in life. What this means is that Jesus drank the cup of death that we deserved. His cup, his portion, 
his lot was the full weight of God's wrath against sin. And what is, what is our cup according to Psalm 23? David says, you prepare a table in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, just like the woman in Matthew 26. And then what? My cup overflows. Jesus took our cup of wrath so that our cup may be filled to the brim. He gave his life so that we might have life. The good shepherd laid down his life for his sheep. And this wondrous truth leads David to praise and he writes, only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. I'm used to uh, the other translation, the ESV, that says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. While it's a great translation and I, it's obviously true, I think it just misses the full weight of what David is saying here. The Hebrew word there used for mercy is the same word used all throughout Scripture to describe God's faithful covenantal and steadfast love and the word used for follow or pursue and every commentary read preparing for this it said it is best described as a pursuit so it is not just mercy following us but it is the faithful love of God that relentlessly hunts us down we cannot escape this love whether in the green pasture the still water the dark valley or the presence of our enemies. There, the faithful love of the Lord is pursuing us. Nothing can separate us from his love. I've heard it said that goodness and faithful love are the sheepdogs nipping at the heels of the sheep, keeping them from straying from the Lord. And these sheepdogs will pursue us all the way home to the house of the Lord forever. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. In the house of the Lord, our eternity is set, safe forever with the good shepherd. If you look back on this whole psalm, you'll see that the psalm is a sequence of the Christian life. Jesus, the good shepherd, saves us and brings us into his flock. We follow the good shepherd. He leads us. He nourishes us. He renews us. He provides for us and protects us. And then one day, after a lifetime of being led on different paths, paths of green pastures and still waters, paths of dark valleys and all the mundane Tuesday desert paths in between. The good shepherd will lead you home where he will show you off as his own and throw the greatest banquet feast in all eternity. And in John chapter 10, we see Jesus calling himself the good shepherd. He says, I know my own and my own know me. He says his sheep will run away from the voice of strangers because they know the good shepherd's voice so well. I'm afraid that many of us can take false comfort in Psalm 23. We like the idea of a good shepherd that leads us and provides for us and protects us, but it means nothing if we do not know the shepherd's voice. It means nothing if we don't learn to run away from the voice of strangers. And I think we often listen to a lot of other voices than the good shepherds. What voices are you listening to? Who is shepherding you? Remember that we are just sheep, so it's not possible for us to be independent. We are always following something or someone looking for that thing to be our shepherd. So if we are not following Jesus Christ, then we are headed straight for a cliff, just like that flock in Turkey. 
We continue to see more and more the exhaustion and fatigue and depression and mental illness and stress and worry and burnout in today's culture and today's church. And I think it's because one of the main voices we listen to is from the culture telling us to run faster and be better and work harder, be more efficient. Instead of simply walking in presence with, behind the Good Shepherd, we are exhausted trying to frantically run ahead of him and be independent, be our own. I fear that the anti-Psalm of Psalm 23 that I'm about to read is more of our reality than is Psalm 23. Read with me. The clock is my dictator. I shall not rest. It makes me lie down only when exhausted. It leads me to deep depression. It hounds my soul. It leads me in circles of frenzy for activity's sake. Even though I run frantically from task to task, I will never get it all done, for my ideal is with me. Deadlines and my need for approval, they drive me. They demand performance from me, beyond the limits of my schedule. They anoint my head with migraines. My in-basket overflows. Surely fatigue and time pressure shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the bonds of frustration forever. If you feel this weight, the pressure to keep up, the pressure to add more to your schedule, the pressure to, to work harder, make more money, the pressure to be a better parent, remember that you are just a sheep. The Christian life is not supposed to be one of frantically running around, lost and confused. It's not supposed to be stressed and independent. You're supposed to follow the good shepherd. And we have a faithful shepherd who is present with us and walks us along every right path. Breathe that in. Trust him and walk with him. Jesus, we are not our own protector and provider. We are mere sheep. I pray that we would remember this and humble ourselves like King David. I pray that we would remember that we are sheep in need of guidance. I also pray that we'd have joy because when life provides us with green pastures or dark valleys, we can trust you to be with us. Jesus, you are the good shepherd leading us home. I pray that we trust you and walk behind you no matter the path you lead us on because you lead us on the right path. When we're faced with big decisions, may we trust you for you are with us. When we are overcome with fear, may we trust you for you are with us. When we are overcome with temptation, may we trust you for you are with us. Lead us, guide us, provide for us, protect us, and bring us home to dwell with you forever. Amen.